Thank you for checking out Coffee Pods, a coffee break length look into the Christian healing ministry. Made up from your questions about praying for others for healing, Season 8 provides you with a handy ministry toolbox to help you pray compassionately and confidently for others. So, whether you're a cappuccino, an Americano or a latte, there's something here for you. Plug in your earbuds, pick up your coffee mug and let's go. Hi Wes, it's good to be back with you for another episode of Coffee Pods. Yep, absolutely nice to be doing it in the sun, isn't it? Yeah, very nice. I almost feel like we're abroad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a thought. Yeah. Awesome. So um, for those of you who are listening today, we are going to be talking about how we might pray for the dying, which might be something you found yourself um, experiencing before, or you may even think to myself, or to yourself, how do I do this if the time ever comes? Um, But there's a question that's actually come up through our own time of ministry here as a team that, Wes, I'd quite like to just ask you initially. And that is that why are we sometimes praying for people to live and they don't? And then at other times we're wanting people to be released from their suffering, but they seem to linger. Oh, man. I mean, isn't that the question? I mean, you know, you you pray sometimes for months or, or even as we've just done, um, for years for somebody for healing of a critical terminal illness um, and and then the, there's there's a moment and we perhaps we could talk about that moment when it comes mm. when you think okay uh, I've noticed our prayers have changed now and not because we made a decision about it but just something happens mm-hmm. and then and then you're in that yeah having prayed for them to to live and and and, and you know in that way and then not that you're waiting for them to die but you're you're then saying lord you know please please bring this to an end mm. and then and then it you know and you thought well okay if we couldn't get the the healing done at least we could maybe get this one done and then that doesn't seem to come that way either and 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 yeah it is and uh, it is incredibly heart-wrenching it is incredibly confusing because you've longed for this person you know, and for this outcome, and but you're also filled with a compassion, saying, "Lord, this can't be right either." As mm. you know. so, you know, uh, gosh, if I knew what the answer was, I think I'd probably write the book. But um, <laughs> in fact, there is a, a lovely book that has been written by um, uh, Bishop James Newcomb and uh, somebody else about. Uh, a, it's called a Good End. And it's a great book if people want to just, it's not a big one, a little one, just mm-hmm. worth a quick look through. Great. Bishop James Newcomb, Bishop of Carlisle, um, uh, I called it a, a good end. Awesome. Because I think um, when you were ordained, wasn't there, isn't it part of like your prayer or your commission or you will explain it a lot better, but for oh, praying man. for the dead Gosh. or the dying. To come up with that one now. Um, yes, it is actually in the promises that Anglican clergy make uh, their ordination as priests or deacons. Um, one of the uh, challenges to to uh, to us it says this: that that um, he or she will minister to the sick and prepare the dying for their death. 
Okay, mm -hmm. so we do both of those things. The question that you just asked, mm -hmm. that, that we minister to the sick and we prepare the dying for their death. And, and those dying moments, that I mean, they are very significant. They are sometimes incredibly difficult for lots and lots of reasons. But they are also incredibly precious moments. Um, and I, I remember one, I'll maybe tell you later on, uh, mm -hmm. one particularly that I carry with me even today. It's an incredibly precious moment. Yeah, because I know that you've obviously been present when these moments have occurred. And as you say, you'll tell us about it. But how difficult are those moments? And there must be some issues involved, I imagine, as you come to pray. Yeah, um, and some of them to, are to do with the person themselves. Mm. Um, and some of the uh, are to do with the family around them, you know, and and. Um, is it interesting? I mean, I, I don't know the, I did quite what happened. It's one of the videos that I'd like to get played when I get to heaven uh, about it. But the healing of Jairus's daughter, when all the, um, and Jesus arrives at the house with, with you know, Peter, James and John and, um, and Jairus and, and Mrs. Jairus, whose name we're not even told. <laughs> and of course, he arrives and all the wailers are there, all the mourners. And, and there is, you know, uh, some suggestion, of course, that... Um, they were professional mourners. They're the people who came and did the ceremony, you know, a bit like getting married. You get somebody yeah. to come in and do it. Um, and, and that might be true. But actually, this is a child. Mm. And this family would have been known and loved. So I'm not sure that all of the mourners there are simply the hypocrites and, and, and you know, the, the professional people who come do it. Mm. Um, Jesus does put them outside because it's not going to help in that process. But, you know, then there's the, there is the family, there is the community. There, for instance, there's the whole crowd that accompany the widow of Nain mm -hmm. to the burial site. You know, now she's a widow. Okay, so, you know, there's not a lot of other people around her. Mm -hmm. But it says the whole village came out. Why? Well, because this was something that touched their heart. So there are some incredible, difficult um, loved ones who don't want them to depart. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and sometimes the people themselves um, cannot let go, you know, so there's, mm -hmm. you've got all of that. Um, when people are not prepared, perhaps, for the journey that's ahead of them. Um, and, and to be honest, even when they are prepared, it doesn't make it any easier. No. Um, um, it, it's, it's Woody Allen who said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens, <laughs> you know, and you think, yeah, okay, you know, let's face it. Um, even for those of us as Christians who've got faith, you know, we might not have a fear of dying or, or of being dead, but the process is incredibly unknown, isn't it? So, you know, um, to be honest, Lisa, we're, we're just trying to grasp at things that you can't necessarily pin down. Somebody described it as trying to pin jelly to a dartboard. No. Oh. It's, it's a bit like that. Yeah, I, I like that you just mentioned about the process, um, even mm. if it was inspired by Woody Allen. But because, <laughs> as you say, we may be trying to grasp onto things, but one thing we can do is pray pray during that process for that person um maybe not necessarily the end point i wonder if that's something sometimes it's the process sometimes not the end point um yeah 
just yeah, yeah. curious. I'm going to mull over that one, I think. <laughs> well, yes, and I think actually the trouble is very often in the church, we view these moments like baptism or, mm. or a christening or, or a wedding or something or a mm. funeral. We view them as a moment, but it's a process. Yeah. You know, so take something slightly happier. Take a, take a wedding. You know, it, it, two people just don't get up on a particular morning and say, I know, let's get married today. All right. Um, it, it's been not just the preparations, but it's been the whole relationship and the, and the, and the getting to know one another and the falling in love and, and the whole thing that goes with that. And I, so I think in a sense, you know, part of that, um, it, we do need to understand death and dying as a process rather than just as, as an event. And very often, of course, for many people, it's a medical event now. Yeah. It takes place in hospitals. So, you know, um, but actually it is a, a spiritual event. It's a relational event. It's a, men a mental event. It's an emotional event as well as a physical event. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do, do you think people ever choose their moment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the standard old Christian thing, isn't it? You know, about people had to get saved in case they were run over by a bus. You know, and <laughs> can I be honest? The number of people who do get run over by a bus like that is it, relatively small. I just want you to know that. So <laughs> please, please don't ever feel that you've got to become a Christian because of buses. There are better reasons for becoming Christians than knowing God. But um, I think, yeah, there are some, yeah, there are sometimes an accident, you know, something you don't necessarily get to choose that. But I think when people are in the process of dying, um, I think I, I've seen people wait. Uh, my own mother waited until my brother arrived and was in the house and he came down from Liverpool. And I remember we were all there and and but she waited until he came and then he spent a little bit of time with her. Mm. That was sort of the signal. Um I think they wait for a particular family member, member to arrive um, or even just to have the family in the same house. I think yes. they do that. And actually, you should never assume that people who are dying don't hear what's going on. Yeah. You know, so they hear the whispers. They they hear. Um, a, I can't remember which one it is. There's a wonderful bit of Shakespeare where the guy's dying and they're all standing in his bed and he sort of says, I can hear you, you know, <laughs> um, but, and they can, you know, and, and actually, I think that. Um, a bit like we were praying for children, talk about praying for children last week. We shouldn't be condescending and assume that they're, because they're not necessarily completely with us, that they're not there at all. That, that's yeah, wrong. Um, yeah. I think some people wait for a particular conversation. Mm. I think some people wait for a moment of settlement or even a moment of I'm sorry or a moment of forgiveness. But also, I've known there are people who've waited and some, some, you know, somebody could, they come in and they say, gotcha, I always hated you. you know, which I think is, is very sad. It and, is. And, and so um, that, so I know some people who um, are afraid of being alone. Yeah. So they wait until somebody else is there. But I also know others who've waited until everybody is gone and asleep. Mm. And then they choose their moment. Yeah, I, I remember uh, when my granddad passed away, um, my dad went in and said to him, it's like, you, you can go whenever you're ready now, dad. Yeah. Yeah. And 
after he'd said that, I mean, it wasn't immediately after, but very shortly after he did go. And it was like he'd been given the peace, not necessarily permission, but the peace that this is okay now to go. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah, yeah it is. In fact, you were absolutely right with your other word, permission. People, some yeah. people do wait until they they say, it's okay. Yes. You can go. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I've sat with people and I've said to them, when you're ready, it's okay. Mm. You can go. You know, mm. so I, I think there is a, there is a, there is a thing like that. And of course, I mean, we often say traditionally that people wait till something like people die between three and four a.m. in the morning when the body is at its lowest. And funnily enough, that's roughly about the same time that the police often do a raid, you know, <laughs> be, for the similar reason because yeah. mentally, physically, emotionally, you are at your your body is at its lowest point. Yeah. But actually, some recent, and I was quite surprised by this, but a new study has calculated that that a significant number of people die at 11 o'clock in the morning. And why? Wow. I have no idea. You know, mm. um, so, you know, in case you're worried, uh, you know, just have an appointment for 11.15. And you're going to be... <laughs> Um, but it's strange, isn't it? You know, yes, I can understand the the, the two, three, four o'clock in the morning sort of thing. Mm. Um, but also, yeah, eleven a.m. I can understand that too. Mm. But I, I suppose as people praying, we can't really anticipate when it will happen. No, and actually, you really wouldn't want um, to be around people if you could, uh, no, would you? No. So it's a it's a bit like the old story of uh, the the. Um, the the guy who's um who's ill and they get the priest to come in and he he says uh, and the priest starts to re read the 23rd psalm the lord is my shepherd and he turns to his friend and he says gosh i didn't know i was that ill you know it's, it's, it's a bit like um that moment where you think no no um please please don't start saying that because i know, I know, I know what you mean but no you can't anticipate it um no. John Wesley was asked to pray for somebody and he met, he went to the guy's bedroom and he talked to him about the joys that awaited him in heaven. Mm. And the guy was so inspired that he physically rallied and lived another three weeks. Oh, <laughs> oh my word. Before he died. And so, you know, I mean, um, and if people think, gosh, there's far too much humor in this, it's probably the only way that you can look yeah. at things like that. You can't predict it. No. No, and it's funny you mentioned John Wesley because I was going to say as well that through looking at different um, people who have gone before us in the Christian healing ministry, we have heard a lot of stories of people praying for the dying and um, in particular also the dead, the, you know, they're actually dead and then they, they rise again. They, oh, yeah. And um, it's just remarkable, but it's, it, this is, I suppose, a little plug, but um, <laughs> you can hear lots of stories like this, can't you, over the summer on our Heroes of Faith series, yep. which will just expand on what we're talking about now. And you can actually hear some examples of where these sorts of things um, have yeah. happened as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I have actually prayed for somebody to be raised from the dead. Can I just say they weren't at the time? Um but you know, y yes, you do, and and um, and and then those moments, you, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. So in in that moment when you prayed for somebody to be raised from the dead, did you feel a prompting to do it? Like, what led you to that position? Um, 
I'd like to say anointing and everything else is probably, well, let me tell you the story. And then I like, to. Yeah. Um, it was a member of staff, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in, uh, a previous church that I led. Um, and we were, she had cancer. She had a recurring history of cancer and she looked very frail. Uh, wasn't old, wasn't mm-hmm. old, an old lady. And I remember there was her, her best friend, her husband, and Mary and I in the room. And I remember um, I, I moved. He was he was holding her her in his arms. She was leaning into him, and he was holding her. And I remember walking round to the other side of the bed, and I just said her name. I said, "I'm just going to read these." from the bible just going to read the psalm mm. i read a psalm it wasn't the 23rd psalm <laughs> i read a i read a better not a better psalm but you know what I mean. <laughs> and then i remember two things happened as i finished reading the psalm um she died and i remember two things happened lisa um he began to worship holding the still warm body of his dead wife in his arms. And it changed the way that I looked at worship forever because there was no band. There was no nothing. There was just uh, a man genuinely just worshiping God and holding the still warm body of his wife. The second thing that I became aware of was um, that, the door of eternity opened, you know, just a crack and she slipped through Mm. and she went from us looking at her to her looking at Jesus in a split second. Mm. And I I couldn't quite fathom that out at the time, you know, in the, in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah. I, I, we were looking at her and the next minute she was looking at him. And I thought, yeah. gosh, and I realized that I'd got, you know, uh, for those who can't see on the on the text, but I'm pinching my fingers together as <laughs> closely as I can. I got that close to eternity. Yeah. And I thought, gosh, if there'd been a draft, I could have got blown into it as well. So it was after that. So she had young children. She was, wasn't an old woman. And I said, God, this still doesn't feel right. Yeah. So that's why I prayed. Yeah. And I, and I remember speaking to her body and I realized that it's definitely the logic you go through in those moments. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if she's dead, the cancer is now dead. Yeah. So actually what we could do is we could pray that she, we could, she would be raised up, but the cancer wouldn't be raised up. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm not quite sure where I got the theology of that from, but I thought, well, okay, whatever. So we, we mm-hmm. just prayed and we all agreed in prayer. We didn't, do it you know brashly we it was respectful because he was still holding her but he said yes please do pray Mm. and we prayed and we just asked and that's all you can do you can just ask and say god we ask now and i said i command life to come and i thought well if it's going to come it's going to come yeah um in those moments we weren't looking you know for anything other than just this compassionate outpouring of god's grace Mm. but yeah we did and and then i remember um they all stayed there and i went home on the tube 
to collect their her his the children and bring them to see mum. Mm. And so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes through your mind in those moments when you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Um also, yeah, actually that leads us into sort of the next question actually that I have for you, which is about there's other people involved, isn't there? Uh, you know, you had the husband there, you had children. Mm. Um, it's, it's very rarely a solo event. And so how can we pray with those other people who are involved? Well, I, I think, you know, um, yes, we want faith, but you can't give people false hope. Mm. That's cruel. Mm. But I, when I pray for somebody who's in that, and I have, and we, and in Acorn, we have a, a lot of times when we're asked to pray for people in, the, in, in places like this. My question is, does this person, is this person asking me to pray for faith to live mm. or peace to die? And I would respect either of those choices. Um, you know, does this person want to go and be with Jesus? And actually, if I pray, am I just getting in the way? You know, mm. um, it, it is their time over? Is, the, is their race done? You know, whatever. And, and actually, I think it's interesting that, that a full life and a long life are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah, that's true. So I know, I know people who've lived for 90 years, but actually they haven't really lived a full life. Yeah. But I know that people, by the time they're 25, have like, oh, my word. Um, and of course, we're dealing with a good life and a good end at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think I think if we could say, God, I, I know that eventually we're all going to die. So please can I have a good end? Yeah. You know, as, as well as a good life. Um, and so, you know, the questions I ask with this person and then obviously with the family as we draw them in to this is like like with my our friend, um, we came to a moment when we realized that having prayed for 18 months every morning as a church over this, apart from Sunday, when obviously we prayed on a Sunday. Um, but had this moved, had this gone on to a place where the, 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 the miracle was going to be too traumatic emotionally or physically or whatever, you know, for them or for us, was it, was, had it moved beyond the faith of, of those who were praying? And in a sense, were we just sort of stirring up emotion rather than actually moving in revelation about what mm -hmm. God wanted to do. And so I, I think there are two things. I think when, when others are involved, which inevitably they are, I think talking to them and saying, what would you like us to do? Yeah. You know, and I remember going to a, a house and uh, somebody just said, would you just come and worship? And so I did a couple of friends. We went around and I just took a guitar and we just worshipped at the mm. bedside. That was it. Mm. Other people say, no, would you, I want you to pray, please pray. And so we would pray. And I would also pray for them too. You know, not just the, the person uh, in need, but also them as well. But I think, I think they're the sort of things that you're aware of. You know, sometimes there are children listening. Yeah. You know, so you're aware of your language, you're alert, you, you know, um, and, and you're honestly aware of the silly things that Christians say. And you just desperately want to avoid those, you know, 
the Lord wants another angel in heaven. Mm. You know, actually, he doesn't. He's got enough. It's okay. You know, mm. but we don't know what to say. So we say some so, things. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I suppose finally, it'd be good to sort of think of some of the practicalities of this. Um, I know we're going a bit longer than normal, but I think it's good for us to explore this um, as much as we can in a short period of time. But what would you say when, when we're in these moments of praying? What are some of the factors that are at play? OK, I would if, if I'm aware that this person is dying, mm-hmm. I would say I, I would want to ensure that they're at peace. And I would want to sure to to do as much as I could to ensure that they're prepared to meet God. Yeah. Prepared to meet with the Lord. Sins confessed, accounts settled, anything left undone. Is there any anyone they need to to talk to? And I yeah. actually I I've sat down by the bedside and said, you know, so and so, is there anything left that needs sorting? Mm. And I remember one old boy looked at me and he said, Wes, I'm all done. I'm all set. Um, and, you know, I, I think when you do, there's a lovely story, Lisa, of a, um, an old guy who was deaf. He'd been deaf all his life. And um, they were, he was dying and they were praying by the bedside. And he turned to his friend and he said, for the first time in my life, I can hear something. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, they he lit read what 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 can you hear? He said, I can hear the sound of Jesus coming to collect me. Wow. And I thought, oh my word. Yeah. yeah. So I'd want to make sure they were ready. Um, you know, I'd want to assure them that all is well. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, and I've I would pray uh with them and assure them that God um will remain with those who are left behind yeah with a family i'd want to comfort them in in, and and help them pray and prepare for what is 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 coming Mm. um you know uh yes do i pray for a resurrection you know Mm. whatever well i've been asked to you know um but i i remember that i guess for us all there are moments when you you realize that the, the the human heart is incredibly raw in those moments. Mm. Um, and so people are needing um, just that assurance in the Holy Spirit that Jesus is present. Mm. And though it hurts, um, he is there and it will, it will all be well. Um, I think most people who are left behind are just concerned about the person. Are they okay? Yeah. Yeah. So the Anklins have a lovely phrase, which is said, may they rest in peace and rise in glory. Yeah. Wonderful. This has been so helpful. And I I mean, hopefully those of you listening, whether you're in this position yourself or you may know somebody who may be in this position, it might be worth sharing it. It's just um, to me, it's made me feel quite peaceful about the whole the whole thing because it can be quite a scary thing to have to pray uh about or for um so thank you for that Wes and um would you kindly pray now for those yeah. who may be in this position yeah father thank you that you really did send Jesus for moments like this 
Lord, thank you that when we come to those moments of leaving this realm and entering the next, Lord, thank you that we're not alone in it. Thank you, God, that um, you are ever present and that, Lord, ultimately death has no crown. Lord, it's just you. And so, Lord, I pray today, Lord, for those who listening to this, a journeying with others, whether family or friends or just members of the congregation. And Lord, I ask that you would give to them and to us all such a tender and sweet spirit that, Lord, we don't have to defend you. We just have to allow you to be present. So, Lord, be present in those moments. And Lord, for those who are coming to the end of this life and being prepared for the next. Lord, I do ask, because of your incredible mercy, that you are the ever-present help, that you will be present each moment, each waking moment, each sleeping moment. And Lord, in the end, may we hear the sound of Jesus coming to collect us. And I ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you. This has been a really enjoyable series. We hope that you've all enjoyed it as well. There are a couple more topics that maybe we could pick up later in the year that we haven't had time to do um, for this series. But during August, you can find uh, new podcasts coming out every Monday where we are exploring uh, the healing Psalms, which are some of the Psalms that Wes has written. And also, as I mentioned earlier, you can find our Heroes of Faith resource which is on our downloads and store page of the website. So we look forward to catching you soon. And thank you, Wes. Okay. Bye. Bye. We hope that you found this week's episode of Coffee Pods helpful and inspirational. If you like what you're listening to, please give us a like and share. We'll catch you soon.